Only I can live forever. This is TB8 by Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Listening to TV ate my dinner. My name is Sean, and I am returning with Lynn and Tracy. Hello, both of us today. Yep. Hello. And we will be talking Harry Potter again today, and hopefully more potty nonsense. Yeah, Um. more more pothead business, wands and Latin and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was sad that Percy wasn't in the movie. What he was? He was very very briefly. He is. He shows up, but. I realized this when I started going through the books because Percy has a character in some of the early movies and you're like, I didn't even know watching the movies, I didn't really connect with the fact that he was a Weasley Oh, yeah. at first. And then he kind of disappears and if you pay attention, he's still there in the same role that he is in the books, but they don't identify him as Percy, so I didn't even notice. Greg. That that's who it was, and then the book has this this throughout all the books this long arc of Percy being a total tool, and finally he redeems himself, and it's a great moment, you know, where he finally reconnects with his family. But <laughs> you know, in the movies, he's just some face. A yeah. lot of people are like yeah. Tonks. They have no idea who Tonks is from watching the movies, except that they call her by name once. Yeah, and then there's, there's the whole storyline with um, that French girl marrying Ron's brother, and there's a whole bit with that. Uh, that was one thing that disappointed me in the end of what was it, the sixth movie, where they they had in the in the book there's this whole battle at Hogwarts, and they chuck the whole thing out. Oh, the battles in all of the books are so much better than yeah. the movies because they well, involve they... everyone somehow be, to, to keep I guess it's to, to streamline the movie and make it shorter and also to keep it focused they make everything about Harry in the movies so when you're watching the movies unaware of the books you're like why does he have to do everything yeah there's like a whole place full of wizards what what's the Order of the Phoenix doing it's like well they're fighting battles left and right in the books yeah, they have like are. orders and missions and things and they show up they're at Hogwarts when Dumbledore gets killed yeah. And that's, you know, Bill. Man, they don't even introduce Bill until, like, Deathly Hallows Part 1, really. And he's just like, uh, got my face scratched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they have to. He's like, hey, I got attacked by a werewolf, by the way. Like, why even say that? It's not important to the story in the movie you're telling. 
Yeah. You don't even recognize that that's Fleur that he's with because they don't draw attention. In the movie, you're like, what? Why are they at a wedding? Who's getting married? How do they meet? Yeah, What's it's confusing. Yeah, it's like the whole sixth book had like this introduction of you know Fleur coming in and the, the, you know her relationship with Bill, but they've never bothered to introduce Bill. Yeah, yeah and with um the mother, the Weasley mother, that's a whole cool storyline that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's disappointing that they yeah. kept that out. And I, I understand that you can't go into that too, in too much detail, but one major criticism I have of the movies is they're aware of where the story is going, but it seems like every movie is bent on adapting the story for the movie and not introducing elements that will become important in future movies. Yeah. So there's all this stuff, like, you know, the whole room of requirement thing and, and how that comes into play, it becomes a major element of the story. And in the movies, it's just some weird thing that's never really fully explained that starts becoming pivotal. There are things like that that they don't introduce earlier that you're kind of like, how are they going to do that? Yeah. They just ignore What it. is that? Why is that even? Like, this whole idea of the room of requirement being this room that's just everybody chucking their, their secret stuff, it's like becomes an incredibly important plot point. But in the movies, you're just like, let's go to the room of requirement, and it's full of junk, and they don't really know why. Why? Yeah. But it's it's so, like, little things like that, because they knew that mirror shard that he's using, that he see, thinks he sees Dumbledore. <laughs> if you're just watching the movies, you're like, what is that? Why does he have yeah. that? It's like, well, he got it in the books. Well, there's other... They don't my, explain my, things. The thing that annoyed me the most was the, the uh, kiss between... Ron and Hermione, I think they screwed that up in the movie. Well, they had a better visual idea for it, but that whole scene happened off, you know, off screen in the book. Like, they just come back and go, hey, Harry, guess what? We destroyed the Horcrux. Like, what yeah. the, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now let's get back to business. But I liked it because in the, like in the book, of... it was this really emotional moment because you, were, you really are like, why haven't they got together up till now? And then Ron says... But we have to save the house elves. And it really is a moment where she turns to him and says, finally, you're a grown-up. I can kiss you. And in the in the movie, it's just like, oh, they've just been through something traumatic. They'll kiss. And it's like, you know how many traumatic things they've gone through that they could have just kissed after? The problem is, though, that this whole idea of Hermione wanting to liberate the house elves is not introduced in any of the other movies either. That That's why they So this whole idea of the spew society... And stuff. Yeah, well, the only thing I like about it is when I was watching the movies, I thought the same thing as Hermione. I'm like, are they just basically enslaving these house elves? Why does everybody have one? It's, it seems wrong. And there's like all this explanation to like, this is what the house elves like and all this whole crap. Well, the, that was the <laughs> like, thing that I liked the most so about it was that it actually it, it, was, it was important to that final scene because it gave you the emotional resonance to them getting together. But otherwise, it doesn't have that, that much emotional resonance. Cared. Well, I think, like I said, they try to do it with something visual where something awesome happened and then they kissed. But, yeah. There are too many awesome things happening. Sooner or later, it just had to happen. Well, it was like they just went, oh, we'll just chuck it in the end well, of this they, one. they were going to die. And that's like Neville. Oh, I'm going to go tell Luna I like her. He's like, when? Do you? I don't remember that. From Whatever. Let's all get together. It's the end. <laughs> it's the last movie. Come on. Everybody hooks up except for the people who get killed. Yeah. Poor them. But yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> Let's see. But that's one thing. Yeah, I think the whole Dumbledore's sister thing is really, really gets to me as far as not explaining. Because not only that's a good example of something in another movie where he's crying for forgiveness and all this crap, you know, 
And they never even explain that. And his relationship with this evil wizard, you know, and how they get the, the, the Elder One and all this kind of stuff, yeah. that's not really explained either. So there's like this whole necessary story. It's like, why does he have the one yeah. even? He just went off and defeated that other wizard. Yeah, and then he got it's a like magic not wand. Even that's what happens. why that's important. Like, why is he crying? You know, and then why does his brother hate him? <laughs> like, like they don't it's because he was a bad wizard when he was young. He was the one who wanted to take over the world when he was young, and that led to the death of the sister. And it's, it's all explained. But in the movie, it's just like in the his brother hates him for no reason, and it's just because you know, oh, he's gonna try and control you. And we get this whole idea that's pushed on us in the movies that Dumbledore's not what he seems, with Snape saying, oh, you're fighting him up for like a lamb to the slaughter. But we never actually see anything that would actually explain why they don't like him like that. Yeah, I mean, Dumbledore's dark past is is much better explained. In fact, Dumbledore's brother is not necessary to the story at all in the movies because you don't know who he is. Like, they come up and say, you're Dumbledore's brother, right? Yep. (laughs) But there's no backstory as to why, and I hate him. They kind of miss out on a great joke in that, too. There was that joke with the the goat in the the book. Albus is a... or what? With the brothers, uh, his Patronus is a is a goat or something like that. Oh yeah. You really love that goat. Do you guys remember that? No. <laughs> I remember that his Patronus was a goat. <laughs> one of the one of the scandals was uh, apparently um, uh, uh, Dumbledore's brother was doing something improper with a goat or something. I'm not sure if it was a goat or some <laughs> some other thing, but uh, later on you see when Harry the whole family um, sexual deviance. Yeah, when Harry gets to uh, Hogsmeade, uh, he makes a dear Patronus uh, to fight off the Dementors, and which uh, raises the alarm. But uh, Dumbledore's brother is like uh, tells everybody, "No, no, it's a goat! It's a goat! It doesn't look like a deer. It's actually a goat." And then the joke was, like, he really loved that goat. Okay. All right, I guess I don't, yeah. There's a lot of weird sexual stuff in there that we don't... Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I wasn't... Maybe I was thinking about something else in the car when, they, when I was listening to that. <laughs> I didn't remember that. And that's certainly not in the movie. <laughs> no. You know, another thing that bothers me that's not revealed in the movies at all, and and it becomes necessary to the story, because again, the plot structure, you know, Harry just starts going back to Grimmauld Place and ordering Creature around, like, go do this and do that, and like, who the hell are you, man? Mm -hmm. And like, they never even explain he's inherited that that home and he owns Creature. Mm -hmm. Like, Creature just starts doing stuff for him in the books, in, in the movies, but they never get into any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's not very well explained at Tonks all. Is. Tonks they don't, is. I don't, they don't even really go into why he he get, gives the money to Fred and George for the good joke shop. Does they even say that in the movie? No. They don't even – I didn't like Fred and George's exit either. They didn't make the swamp. <laughs> I love the swamp in the books. Yeah, they cut – there's a bunch of – I'll tell you, the fight scene at the end of Order of the Phoenix is has so much fun weirdness. Like, they, they shoot a guy and turn and give him a baby head. Yeah. <laughs> and he's running around crying like a baby with a baby. It's like this bizarre like, – like, this is just a madhouse. Well, what I And in the is... movies, they're just, like, pointing sticks at each other and saying Latin things and stuff blows up, and it's not clever at all. I read that the reason why they took the fight out of there was because they thought it would diminish from the fight in the last movie. 
They're like, we can't have two fights well, at Hogwarts. I'm like, why not? Have fights every yeah, week. Have as many fights as you want. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And even the Hogwarts fight was better because more of the people got involved. There's like a scene in the books where uh, where the d- divination teacher is just floating yeah. like uh, the, the glass balls at him and smacking him in the head and all this fun that's stuff. The- and Slytherin doesn't make a very good showing for themselves in the book, but they do even worse in the movie. They lock them in the dungeon in the movie. <laughs> they don't even make them evacuate. Well, that was the thing. I thought I thought that the scene where Dumbledore died was very poorly handled because Harry's just, like, downstairs watching. And in the in the book, Dumbledore actually, you know, throws the cloak over him and makes him, you know, petrifies yeah, him. Yeah, he paralyzes yeah, him, and I, yeah. And so he has to watch the whole thing and he cannot do anything. But the fact that he's standing downstairs watching and he could legitimately help if he wanted to, but he just doesn't. Yeah, it makes and him look kind of stupid. we miss out on the panel yeah, scene, too. They decided that was out of character yeah. with the rest of the book, but, you know, they have Dobby's funeral. They just cut things for time. They can say what they want, but it wasn't necessary to the action of the story. All the movies keep the action of the story, but they don't explain the motivation yeah. of the action. Yeah, that's one of the biggest And troubles. it's very hard. I can enjoy the books a lot more now, having, you know, I, I mean, I can enjoy the movies a lot more now, understanding the books, because... I get the what's going on behind that. Well, they, th- Goblet of Fire is a little hard because they cut so much of the story in Goblet of Fire. Well, that was what upset that me. It's hard. They upset so many of the they they take out some of the character moments that really explain why things happen. Take out some of the characters, and that it makes Harry look like more of a douchebag. Like with the whole thing with Harry's girlfriend in uh, was it the fifth one, where in the movie he's just like, I don't like you because you told on us, and then he finds out that you know she really didn't. She was under some sort of potion. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, I still don't like you. <laughs> and it just, I guess she's all right then, but whatever. It just makes Harry out like a douche. Done. And then that, that whole relationship just sort of like, we just don't talk about it again. And in the book, it's a whole thing where it's like, she she pretty much just breaks up with him because every time they're on a date, he's like, I have to go talk to Hermione now. <laughs> and Hermione's like, Harry, you idiot! Don't break off in the middle of a date to come and talk to another girl. And he's like, why? <laughs> well, there's also the thing that you don't get from the movies where that she was actually dating Cedric. Yeah. And, you know, they're like at the ball together or whatever, but, but you know, it's a bigger thing. So it's already a, a, a sore point. She's always crying. <laughs> it's like every time I try to kiss her, she's she probably crying. probably has like post-traumatic like, stress disorder. There's like a whole thing in the books. <laughs> she, she is, but he's, you know, whatever. He's 14. He doesn't get it. Yeah, and that's just... It's like it's a lot of complicated business with girls. I don't understand what what her deal is. Yeah. I'm the one who saw him and die. That's, and I like it because it's 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 nice and messy in the book like it would be for a normal 14-year-old trying to date someone in the middle of all this trauma. And then it's just like, in the movie, it's just like, oh, we had to have a reason for them to break up because in the book, it just sort of fades off. Yeah, and they made that up too because that's what. Yeah, they. I think they they give her character a very poor showing in the movie. You know, too, the movies never show you the fate of Peter Pettigrew. They don't kill him at the end of that movie. No, he just like, runs in off. In the same scene, he gets killed in in the book, not by Harry, but he dies. Well, there's this whole thing with and his then, hand. Yeah, he, yeah I never really understood that. that. Yeah, this whole thing about that weird hand. Like he touches. But Harry and, and it kills himself. Voldemort, Voldemort gave him the hand, but the hand was controlled by Voldemort. So when Voldemort feels the hand touching Harry, and then Harry doesn't get killed, the hand kills him because he didn't do what Voldemort ordered. Ah. Yeah, and that's sort of a, a throwback to the third 
movie and book where, you know, Dumbledore says, you know, you spared his life and, you know, even a person like that, you know, that could come in handy. <laughs> and that's sort of what they're saying there. At the last minute, his hesitation came from that. And that was his undoing, and it saved Harry. So, but you know, in that they just get past him, like hit him, bonk him on the head, or something. He yeah. runs away. <laughs> it sort of ruins the whole. And that's the character arc. That's the last we see of him. So we don't get a resolution. You're like, well, why did that guy had it coming? Whatever happened? Also, to him? why would you tell these secrets to someone who looks like a rat? Good <clears throat> lord, he looks like a sniveling idiot. I wouldn't tell my secrets to him. I wouldn't make him a secret keeper. Well, that, that's, that's the truth too. It's like I'm gonna. I'm going to not tell my make my secret keeper my best friend who is actually trustworthy. I'm going to give it to this dude who turns into a rat. <laughs> it's a sniveling weasel. And worships us like a sycophantic <laughs> asshole. I guess they just thought... And there is an actual like like sort of uh, play on, on the dangers of arrogance because that's the problem with Harry's father and Sirius. Is they, they probably did actually have an idea is like, well, he would never turn on us. He worships yeah. us. You know, and it didn't even occur to them. It wasn't even a matter of loyalty, of friendship. They just assumed that he was, you know, they were better than him and there was no way he would turn yeah. on them out of his, you know, gratitude for letting him hang out with them. Well, that's one thing they awesome don't go self. into as much in the movies is Harry's dad was actually a bit of a dick. Yeah. Yeah, they do it just a little bit to explain, like, why Snape hated him. But, yeah, he was much worse. Yeah, he was actually a full-on bully in the books. They do try to explain that, you know, he got better. He wasn't that way. You know, he didn't grow up. He grew out of it. And he did did hate the dark arts, at least. So so there's that. But that was one thing I felt was was, done pretty well in the books was Snape's Snape's flashbacks, even though they didn't tell the whole story, I just thought that that actor did such a beautiful job that I, I was sobbing. It was so well done. The young, the young Snape, Snape. And, oh no, and just Snape himself when he's crying over Lily dying. Mm-hmm. What the Alan Rickman? I will Alan tell Rickman you this: made me cry. Snape, Snape in the books, Snape is useless and irredeemable. He is not written as a sympathetic character at all. But Alan Rickman, in his portrayal of Snape, gives him a dimension that is He's not so there good. in the character. Yeah. Like, I mean, you you care about Snape, but in the books, it's like, well, wait a second. If he's, like, why is he such a, I mean, he's not just pretending or whatever. I mean, he's he is a real jerk. Yeah. Like and and even his what what they call the the redeeming moment is, like he doesn't do anything to actually save him he act, he actually just stands there and dies at the end so he doesn't have a moment where he gets to save Harry or is do anything not, which is is it not I kind implied of in the movie that he does more to save Harry they don't say it out loud but there is a moment when the Death Eater kills the owl um, is that not Snape I don't remember that well it, but in I don't know because they barely they barely cover that because in the book he's the one he shoots off was it is it George's ear like he's the one who shoots off George's ear to keep up his cover (laughs) he could have just missed like so it's much more vicious well in the movie there's a moment well they have this whole thing Death Eaters kills Harry's owl because the owl is what's giving away which Harry's real and he kills it and then just floats there and watches Harry go away and it's so weird you're like what happened there I infer that that was Snape trying to stop the owl give it away well that and also there's a there's a well, bit where when um what's her name the maggie smith's character the the good one at the school who looks really fierce what's her name oh um professor mcgonagall 
McGonagall, where she finally turns on Snape and says, fine, get out of my school, and she fires off some fireballs at him. You notice there that he doesn't fight back that much, but he does accidentally... He does He does accidentally deflect those two fireballs into the other two people there who would have fought back. Mm -hmm. So I... Well, it's it's clear at that point, and and to be honest with you, in the books and the movies, I always knew, knew that that there was more to Snape as far as like he was not yeah. a bad guy in that sense. But the books make it harder to swallow yeah. because he's so horrible in the books, and he's just awful to children. It's like, well, it's no wonder she didn't love you, man. You, you well, jerk. he was actually mean to her in the books. It's as well. like even James Potter is less of a jerk. Before the the last. Before the last book came out, I, I thought that uh, Snape was actually going to continue being evil. I was so sure that his actions represented who he was. And then uh, my husband finished the book maybe a week before I did, and I finally got to the part where he redeems himself. And I told my husband, he's like, oh, I've been sitting on that for like a week. Well, I was sure. Wrong. And maybe it's Alan Rickman, because if I had just been reading the books, I probably wouldn't have thought that of Snape, but Alan Rickman makes him so sympathetic. And really there are moments in the movies that don't happen in the books. Like in the third movie when the werewolf is coming at them like he's coming at the kids, Snape stands in front of all three of them and sort of shields them with his body. That doesn't happen in the book. Yeah, he protects them. He's a total douche in that scene in the book and he's completely idiotic in his conclusions about things like he's he's there's nothing good about him but in that moment this visual moment you know they sort of t- they tell volumes about Snape's character in this scene they just invent that that he's brave yeah and he wants to save he really does want to save the kids he just destroys yeah, he himself in front of them he doesn't die. even think about it but but i don't even that is is not very redeeming because his his love is so like you know when the younger snape when he wants to save lily doesn't even care about harry or his dad yeah he's like why don't he we just, just give wants, the baby to him and, and make him die? why yeah, do you want to kill that'll lily that'll be fun yeah and dumbledore's like dude what is wrong with you he's like don't tell me now you care for the kid as well and he's just like well at least i'm not just going to sacrifice him i don't know dumbledore yeah, well i do like that he becomes sort of ethical in that sense more so than Dumbledore. But there's a whole biblical allegory there with Dumbledore and Harry, which I think kind of explains the whole... Because throughout the whole story, you're like, Dumbledore is clearly more powerful than Voldemort. He can clearly stop Voldemort. That's not even in question. I mean, he's not even bothered by Voldemort most of the time. He's like, he's a child to Dumbledore. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, I could do this or that. And even when they fight, it's just like, it's no big deal or whatever. And you're like, why doesn't Dumbledore do something? He's like, and it's biblical because it's like, because it's up to Harry. Like, like he's more of a, of a divine figure in this story. It's like, well, of course I could, but mankind needs a champion against evil. And then, and then it's got to be played out this way. And it does, I offer up Harry to sacrifice himself for the rest of you and all that. It becomes very biblical in that sense. And Harry becomes the Jesus figure of that because he actually does sacrifice himself and becomes reborn. And once he's reborn, he's able to, I found it quite confusing in the movie because Harry pulls out that, just before he goes into the forest, he pulls out the, he gets a little rock out of the snitch, which allows him to see all of his dead parents and that sort of thing and I thought great he's going to hold on to the rock and that's going to be what sa- what makes him survive when they try to kill him and he just drops the rock in the middle of the forest and wanders off no. yeah 
that's not it. I kind of like that though because the suggestion there is that no tricks. He's he is going to sac. He's he's sacrificing himself. Yeah, but he could have given and it to one of his of, friends or something. <laughs> oh, this is the well, rock I that saves people. The idea life. was that he understood that that there wasn't really anything useful in the resurrection stone. I guess it is a resurrection stone, not regard. a not a surviving stone. <clears throat> What I had a problem with the Deathly Hallows was a neat turn of phrase, but these objects and and their, their abilities don't have anything to do with the story and and detract from it. I think this, you know, having the snitch, the open eye open at the close kind of riddle that really doesn't make sense in the book or the mm-hmm. movie, and the you know now my the only thing that myth is good for is explaining why Harry has this awesome invisibility cloak. Yeah. Like, because it's like this super powerful magical artifact. It's like that's why, you know. It's not you can't just pick these up at the store. It's like the most awesome of all invisibility cloaks. But everything else about having the magic wand and and all that—it's just a MacGuffin. All that business was not. Yeah, it's it, it really is just red herrings to 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 sort of string you along, and none of that matters to the story. And it is sort of like because because Deathly Hallows is a cool sounding name and it's a cool little story that we told. But it doesn't although have I will to do say that I loved how they portrayed the Deathly Hallows in the in the first. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, it was awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, that was a great sequence. I think these two movies, the last one especially, really do represent a a, a deeper level. Like it, the the payoff that you get from Harry Potter does happen in this last movie. Like with a couple of things that I like that that I didn't like at the very end, but for the most part, I mean, they really they really hit it. Like the tone of it and and the way everything is played out and they do work quite and well. And they, they do it just like the books. The books are sort of told from Harry's perspective in the sense that some things happen off screen because Harry doesn't witness them. Like when they're getting chased by the Death Eaters, they're just like, Mad Eye is down and I think, Well then he's not really dead. You know, they keep thinking, you know, we couldn't find his body, all this stuff's like, Oh well they're gonna get him, you know, he's he's still alive. Like Yeah. (laughs) Which they show in the movie, but again they don't really explain there's some eye in the door. I the mean, if you didn't recognize it, you would just think that there's a weird eye in the door. But in the in the book, it's a real moment when he's gonna like he's like, oh my god, that's my friend's eye yeah. in that door. Yeah, and he endangers everything by taking it, you know, like because they're using it so they can see through that eye. But he he sort of liberates that so that they don't you know besmirch Mad Eye's you know memory. Poor Mad Eye. And the same thing happens with Remus and Tonks. You know, he just shows up and like Remus and Tonks are dead. You know, but that's because that's you know, true to the the telling of the story. It's like I was off doing other things. We don't have like a beautiful death scene for every character. We just they're part of the collateral damage, and it's not mindless, faceless collateral damage. It's real characters. Yeah. In the books, they're just peop- their faces in the movies. Lupin at least is in the movies more, so you feel that. But Tonks. Every time Tonk shows up, she reveals a plot point about herself that there's no time She's to like, really show. She's like, "Hey, Harry, I'm pregnant." Like, oh, "Okay, great." Like, "Hey, we're getting married." Oh, "All right, who the who are you again?" Well, that is a big thing in like, the in just, the books as well. Like, she's just this weird lady who keeps showing up and saying things about her life that no one cares. In about. the book, I really did love that because it was a whole it was a whole storyline about how you know he thought he wasn't good enough for her and that sort of business, and they finally she finally talked him into getting married, and it was really sweet. It was a whole business about yeah and then he's going to leave them to you know to fight the death eaters and harry's all mad at him because you know he thinks that 
abandoning his family is the noble thing to do. Yeah. He's like, you've got a son. But yeah, I, I understand you don't have time for all these, these characters and their arcs, but having the characters there and just sort of sporadically mentioning relevant things about themselves makes it more confusing if you don't understand yeah. the books. He's like, why is that person here at all? I don't know what's going on. It's like they built the movies to be a companion to the books for people who enjoy the books, but they didn't build the movies to really work for people who don't know mm. the books. Well, that's the thing. They could have built in... They they spend so much time chucking in these little bits that are just sort of hellos to the book, and then they didn't build in the movie's own mythology. The movie wasn't full enough on its own. Yeah, and that's true because it's stuffed with all the you know all these these visual images and action scenes, but you don't understand. It's just like most blockbusters. If I see all this flashy stuff and I don't understand why it's happening or what's at stake, then I'm not really connecting with it. And they hmm. do a really good job. I mean, I'm not saying that there's no connection there, but at the same time, it's hard to follow those movies and really get into because it's a bunch of questions. Like, well, why, why don't they just do this? Like, well, it's explained in the book. It's like, why don't they do that? It's explained in the book. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I don't, you got to do something to explain in the movie because I it don't know what I'm looking at. It should be explained in the movies. Yeah, even like, if well, they're, 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 you can down, explain something with a throwaway from big to line. Little things. You can explain well, something. It's from it could be to like little things like that. <laughs> Both trying to talk at once. I I was watching. I don't know. It's the second or third movie, and it really irritated me because in the book, he you know how he throws down the flute batter and just goes Diagon Alley, and it's just random. You're like, how are you with it? Why don't you just say Diagon Alley like everyone else? In the book, the flute powder makes him sneeze. I was like, why didn't you do that in the movie so that it, you explained why he didn't randomly say? Yeah. Instead, you don't even the, fully understand that he that that's why he ended like up in the wrong place. Yeah, you're like Harry can't even throw a bag of ash without yeah. something going wrong. He just looks wrong. like an idiot. There's little things like that that add up, and then there's the big things, the plot points that you don't understand. Yeah, and then they have to come back and backtrack and explain things they never introduced. You know, like, hey, I got attacked by werewolves. Like, that's not important. Who ain't even say it? I was annoyed that that Greyback and Remus never fought. I thought that was going to happen. In the yeah. Book. I really thought, because he's like, you know, I'm undercover with the werewolves and all this, like, nonsense that didn't really matter to the story at all in, in the books or the movies. But I really thought, oh, that's going to come down to a fight between those two then. And then really nobody fights Greyback. He's just there. Even in the movies, you don't even know that's who it is. He's just some guy in a weird outfit. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even matter in the movies. Or um, poor Hagrid's brother. He shows up. Grop, but- I was yeah. going to say that. He's like, because really, there's no sense in having introduced Grop at all in any of the books if they don't bring him out for that battle. Like, I expected that in the book, and it happened. And then the movie, like, oh, it's too much CG. Forget it. <laughs> like, But that's important. That's a moment. Like, everybody pitches in. Otherwise, he just has this brother tied to a tree in the forest. <laughs> and and nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of questionable ethics in Harry Potter. Yeah, that's one of my letdowns. Remus not finding Greyback is one of my letdowns. I do think that even in the books, the, the Slytherin, they keep saying the Slytherin should, yeah, all the houses should get together. And even in the books, I don't think the Slytherins really represent very well. And in the movie, not at all. Yeah, why haven't, like I said, why do they like have Pansy Parkinson house? says one main thing, and instead of doing something to her, they're like, lock up all the Slytherins everywhere. It's like, but there's a big battle coming. Don't put me in a dungeon. Like in the books, they evacuate all the kids. Like, nope, lock the children up in the dungeon before <laughs> we explode the school. Yeah, but for some reason, Malfoy's out. 
Yeah, well, he's smarter than the rest of them in that respect. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, One thing well, I, I wanted yeah, to mention. Of course, I already said. I, I just Go wanted ahead. to give a mention, a shout out to how awesome the music is in the movies. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that's not in the books because they and can't the, be. But and these that, are that composers I'm not familiar with. Like, like you know, there's a lot of. I think John Williams probably did the original movie score, but a lot of these composers. Uh, I used to go on Pandora and just put in like the name of like Jerry Goldsmith or one of these movie, like movie composers that do, and all these awesome, you know scores for movies would come up and it, and there's a lot of a lot of the Harry Potter ones will come up and you're like who is this guy these are really awesome and I don't even know who this composer is but it's one of the the iconic pieces of music of movies like you, if, when you hear that you're like that's Harry Potter that little doo -doo 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 -doo. oh it's Harry Potter you know well, you need that that's you know that's such an important piece and I feel like a lot of movies I was watching Conan the Barbarian the original one the other day because I'm boning up I'm getting ready for the for the Conan movie. He's ready. It's coming and, out like this week, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's coming out this weekend, so it'll be out by the time this episode airs. Well, it'll be out by... It, well, it'll be way out because this is already a two-parter. <laughs> but So hopefully I have not already seen this movie and hated it by the time this, this show because <laughs> it looks good. But the original Conan has like uh, this this Basil uh, Polidorus or Polidori, I think is his name does the score and it's such an amazing score it sounds like Carl Orff you know it sounds like O Fortuna like these this the this score that he has and it's like you know otherwise a lot of the visuals and stuff they do in Conan are not that different from what you see in other movies of that genre but it really stood apart by having this sort of operatic feel you know and it's but now they make like sword and sorcery movies and it's got like Man of War or some kind of heavy metal soundtrack or something stupid so that's what they. Well, it's like Star Wars bringing in the classical music. It really, for it, their that's score. the brilliance. And movies need to remember that. Some filmmakers understand that now, but I feel like we're losing that. You know, that that anthematic feel, especially having a theme, is important. Everything sounds like Pirates of the Caribbean. These well, everything days. is just sort of incidental score. But you know, if you watch like like man, I was watching the original Superman movie, and the score to that movie is just it blows you away. And it really creates a pageantry for a film. It really creates a sweep, like a scale and a scope. Theme songs. Things need the theme, that little theme that when they play it, you know, it's like, oh, that's the, that's the Fellowship of the Ring theme, or yeah. that sounds like Gollum, or that's that's the Jedi theme, or that's Darth Vader, he's coming. You know, we the music informs the, the audience what's going to happen and how they should feel in a scene. Yeah, when the music is stupid or just sort of who cares, then you don't really, you, you don't really connect in that way. There's... I think movies are the perfect art form because they combine everything. You know, it's it's beautiful audio, beautiful visual, storytelling. You know, it's got it all when a movie is done correctly. So you have like this this amazing symphony of sound happening, but you also have the, these beautiful images and you have these deep literary stories when it's done well. Like so yeah. when an element is missing from a movie, you don't really say, wow, the, mu the music sucks in this, and that's why I don't like it. But that's what's going on. It really does affect what you... I, I was watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 
and they said originally they made a nice orchestral score for that movie and they had a proper composer come in and do it and they said it just didn't work it just felt like it was too serious for the movie, <laughs> the movie so they went back and got this sort of faux music that sounded like do 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 and they were like well that worked and that made the whole tone of the movie work because it was funny music rather than serious music it's really true and and it's an easy way to to make like I said with Conan it's like visually like he's fighting a giant rubber snake and all this kind of stuff but the music is telling you that something more important is going on like the music is like no this is an incredible moment like a guy's running over hills like something important is happening like wow (laughs) and it really uh, when the music is there you know if the movie's horrible the music's not going to save it but I mean when the music is there it it, it brings the movie together some of my favorite yeah. albums are uh, movie soundtracks. Like my favorite composer is Clint Mansell, who always, well, not always, but primarily does movie soundtracks and primarily does them for Darren Aronofsky films. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We were just talking about Black Swan before before you got here. We just watched that the other day. I enjoyed it. I liked it too. Lynn didn't like it. Really? Well, I thought it was flawed. I, it's not that I didn't like it, but there was there were certain flaws that prevented me from liking it as much as I thought I would, and I think that's what let me down because I thought I was really going to enjoy it, and then there were certain things I was like, oh man, this didn't quite work for me, and that that you know made me enjoy it less than I would have, mm. and I think that maybe you know it's a fine line when you think you're going to enjoy a movie and you don't quite enjoy it as much as you thought, and that makes you think worse of it than an actual bad movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a well, bad movie. Well, I, I can agree with that. But I think I got swept up into that movie. I really and and I was impressed with how deep into the the you know making a movie about like ballet like that would be incredibly hard technically speaking, you know to sort well, of yeah, bring that out. Yeah, she had to train out. for like a year to do that, and they lost weight and everything. That's crazy. But that movie I also think works in a weird way as as a strange like companion piece to the wrestler. Because it's the same story. It really is. Like, yeah, it's the it's, same story. It's, it's about these, these uh, not misanthropic, but it's about these sort of outcast, misfit characters who are trying to reconnect with the world. And in their own way, they have this sort of tragic victory near the end where they don't exactly reconnect, but they, they make their mark. And like that's the story of both of those movies. And in The Wrestler, it doesn't say it outright, but we're led to believe that he does not survive. It's the same thing to the sort of sacrifice himself to that perfect performance is exactly what happens in in Black Swan. So I can appreciate how parallel those two movies are, as opposed to The Fountain, which doesn't. I'm sorry, that makes a bit of sense to me. That that was that a movie. weird movie. As visually, it, I loved it. Pretty. I was interested in it. It kept me, but but it, I, you know, it, it did not. Did make not make one lick of sense. Of sense. I don't know. It's one of my it's one of my favorite films. But I was rewatching it a couple of weeks ago, and I, I noticed how bad some of the dialogue was, and it just. <laughs> kind of ruined the experience because it is one of my favorite films, but rewatching it probably was not the best idea. I'm a big fan of Aronofsky. I don't think he's made a movie that that I thought, oh well, that just wasn't there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. some of the things I heard of that he had in mind to do with Batman, I'm glad he didn't get that project. But <laughs> but in his own films, you know, Pie, Requiem for a Dream. Good God, they should oh. play that in junior high. That's what they I should thought make, too. Like, Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> That is an amazing Cause, movie. Because yeah, you're like, crap! I will never do drugs yeah. again! You can watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know what drugs are, but I won't do it. 
I'm not going to take an aspirin. Like, the mom just had headaches. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn or whatever. That's like, Wants this is the worst case scenario pills. of everything. It's like, I'm not sure that what happened to Jennifer Connelly is typical of what happens to people who fall into the <laughs> drug scene. In fact, I've never heard of anything that horrible. <laughs> like, we're just down in a gladiator pit. Like, what is going on? <laughs> but I do appreciate what he was the picture he was painting and it, and it was I've been on trying point. to make I got it. I've been trying to make Ben watch it because you know he's a film student and it's such an important film for the techniques and you know what he does with the and 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 I'm like yeah but it's this horrible movie and you have to watch it and it's going to make you vomit at the end and he's you just have like to what? watch something watch happy afterwards cuz you're going to be I like I remember yeah. watching it the first time and it was oh, yeah. past for days drain your soul like it'll haunt you that, that is true it's like it's so bad that, that you know the things that happen to them that, that they stay with you but that but that's well told it's it does that's why Aronofsky's movie. not something it's not a date movie kind of guy but he is definitely <laughs> he knows his craft oh you can you imagine you taking a, movie, a girl on that date and then you like you're like trying to put your arm around her and it's like ass to ass and she's like get away from me <laughs> exactly <laughs> Why did you want to see this? You weirdo! I'll never see you again. Know. I thought pie was pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, I tell you, speaking of film student movies, uh, I watched a movie called Rubber. I have heard, you heard it's of this really movie? funny. No, I have not. It is definitely entertaining and watchable. I'll Rubber. give them that. Because it, it is it deliberately the dumbest idea for a movie ever made. Because it's movie. about a tire, is what it's about. The main about character is just a tire. And he goes on a crime spree. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really want to tell you anything else because that's I think, enough. That's like, all that's you enough. Need to go know. watch Let's it. Go watch it. Yeah, that's because yeah, there is nothing that explains or forgives or apologizes for the movie beyond that. But that's like it's one of those movies that seems like it was made on a bet or a dare or as some kind of creative writing exercise. <laughs> We had but one of those. It definitely is. When I was in high I'm school, one of works. the high school filmmakers made one a movie that was about like a can of soda that just wanted to be a Coke. It wanted to be a brand name can of soda. And that was its motivation throughout the whole film. Uh, well, that's what this feels like. And they were just like at every step, like how can we make this weirder? And I appreciate that about it because in the first five minutes, you're like, ah, I don't like the way this is headed because I already knew that it was about a tire. Because it does have a sort of opening monologue that tries to explain itself and I'm like well if you're gonna try to explain that the movie is about nothing then you shouldn't have made a movie about nothing because you kind of ruined it but then they take that and feed it back into the weirdness of the story <laughs> and so you're like I don't know what's happening <laughs> but it is definitely entertaining it's something to watch it's up there it's 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 definitely up there with like hobo with a shotgun <laughs> I haven't seen that either but is, people have been pushing it I well, the, I think the movie poster is better than the movie, but it is hard to resist because it's just Rutger Hauer being a gritty, crazy hobo, blowing people away, and it's like this What's ridiculous like? scream fest, this ultra violent guar video from start to finish. I saw an article about it, and it's just like top ten deaths in this movie. <laughs> it's just they're all ridiculous. They're horrible, th terrible things happen in the movie, but it's like that's the point. It is totally, it's totally like, I mean, visceral. Yeah, like things machete. to school children and that sort of business. Yeah, they they blow up a school bus with kids on it. Yeah, well, actually, they don't blow it up. They go into it with a flamethrower. Yeah, this it's all all awful. 
the best thing is that when he starts his vigilanteism, there's like a headline in the newspaper that's like, Hobo stops begging, demands change. It's like awesome. Because <laughs> he's trying to clean up the city of crime. But so that one, I, I recommend Hobo with a shotgun, but not for the week of, of stomach. Not an, Again, not a date movie. <laughs> or if it is, then you know, maybe you two might hit it off just fine. <laughs> if you think that's a date movie and she agrees, then 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 you get you might be in on that. You found one. your soulmate. <laughs> really? When you're like, I'm so Kindred glad spirits. we like. I was thinking about getting Hobo with a shotgun. And she's like, Oh, good, finally. Like, oh, all right. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> found a match. I was worried we we're gonna have to watch something with Sandra Bullock. Oh. Uh... I hate those movies. Shut up, Catherine Heigl. Oh, God, I hate Catherine Heigl. <laughs> I know. Me, me Self-hating. Uh, like, you're, you're, you've character. gotten to that point where you're not cute anymore. I remember Catherine Heigl is one of those, and they, it seemed like there was a bunch that seemed like, who's that really hot girl? And then, like, after about three movies, you're like, I'm sick of her face. Well, I, I, I can't she stand her... She just bothers her, you to the point where you don't find her pretty anymore. I can't stand her behavior off screen, too, because it seems like every film that she's in, like, three months later, she's... She comes she's in She's talking about the, the film that she was just in that made her famous. Yeah. Like, she thinks like, she's made the for, like, some kind of greater art. That's like Megan Fox. Yeah. Like, we'll fire you and hire some other underwear model who's younger and hotter. And we don't really have to explain why she's Boof's girlfriend. Yeah, he's just got a new girlfriend. That's what dudes do. <laughs> I know. That's what dudes in movies do. It's a Michael Bay film. What do you want? That's what dudes in only real thing, life do. Yeah. Only thing that doesn't make sense is how Boof got into this. What, into the movie or into the girlfriend? <laughs> Either one. <laughs> but he's a good kid. He it's pulled like- that on Indiana Jones, but I support him. Actually, he pulled that on Transformers too, also, but I kind of supported him a little bit on that too. It's but like, he laid uh, into wasn't the it Indiana Kiss Jones. and Dunst going all like, nobody wants to watch Spider Man without me in it? And it's like, yeah, I know. you Who think? Who gives a crap? You ruin every Spider Man movie. I wish you died in the first one. I wish you played Gwen Stacy <laughs> and they killed you in, in, in part one. I'm tired of you getting kidnapped all the time. That was the biggest thing I hated about the Spider-Man movies. Like, they're good movies, but Jesus. Like, you can't let MJ go for, like, five seconds without someone taking her Yeah, but her she hostage. was also just a really bad person. Like, she, marrying this one dude, and then, no, I want Peter Parker, and then, no, I don't want Peter Parker, and she's always, like, really fake, and go, oh, I'm going out with Peter Parker's best I friend, know. and I'm in love I'm with I'm going to date your friend, and then I'm going to marry this astronaut, or not. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, she's just she's a like really too much horrible Kirsten character. Dunst sort of ruins every character she plays. Even Marie Antoinette. <laughs> but that wasn't a good movie. <laughs> I don't know. I think that was just Sofia Coppola trying to create a historical allegory for what it was like to be Hollywood royalty as a, yeah, as it a was. girl. It was. Yeah, my husband didn't have sex with me for so many years. <laughs> you gotta you gotta strap in for a Sofia Coppola movie because not a whole lot's gonna happen. But at least I did buy the, the the relationship of the characters and where they were. It's like a Peter Weir movie. Yeah, you just have to sign in for for three hours of it. Yeah, have, has anyone seen his latest What's, movie? Is it The Way Home? Or oh, something? I've seen the ads for that. I, I didn't realize that was him. There's a, isn't Ed Harris in that? 
Oh, there's a, a bunch of famous people in it. I don't know names. If Ben was here, he could tell you all I about love it. it but Harris. yeah, he's. It's a good movie. Like I watched most of it, but you know, I got a bit tired, and <laughs> there was other stuff going on. I had to go and do. I think we had to take the movie back too because it was overdue. But it was. It's one of those movies where at the beginning it says. Um, Three men got out of this story alive, and then you see a bunch of men going on this journey, and you're like, uh oh. It's like Sanctum. They all just die in Sanctum. Yeah. So like, it's horrible. It's not a good movie. Well, it's not horrible, but it's, it's pretty good. You know, they tell you at the beginning that only three of them are going to survive, so you're like, okay, which one's going to die? And then this girl shows up, and you're like, well, it doesn't say three girls walk out of there. It doesn't say a girl <laughs> walks out of there, so, you know. But it's it's well done. It's really well told, and the characters are really good. The actors are really good. It's just you know long and slow character piece, just like all the other Peter Weir uh, ones. I just finally so watched the. I'd recommend it if you the like right that sort of stuff thing. for the first time. I finally got around to watching that movie. That's a really good movie. It's also Ed Harris back in back we in like the day. That one. A lot of great people in that movie. Fred Ward is in that movie. Uh, Lance Henriksen, not very much. Dennis Quaid. A lot of good people in that movie. I watched Somewhere. That's, I think, Sofia Coppola's newest movie. I did not enjoy that. What's that about? It's about her daddy issues, that apparently. Because oh. it's about oh, a guy who's like a movie star, and then he starts to connect with his younger daughter. But oh, I think I remember seeing the trailer for that, and it looks stupid. I don't think the art goes anywhere. It's like a, I, Maybe I missed what you're trying to say, but it looks like you didn't end up saying anything and maybe that's if you got daddy abandonment issues I'm not saying I don't know your life I'm just I'm analyzing your movies and there's a cry for help in here <laughs> I like to it's like the Stephen King thing I know nothing of your life I want you to know that it's like being like a cold read psychic all I'm going to do is I'm going to look at your work and I'm going to try to guess some things about you based on what you wrote <laughs> and then we've already played that game with Stephen King it's a hit <laughs> It's fairly transparent, but I think Sofia Coppola is I'm one gonna of guess, those. I'm going to guess J.K. Rowling didn't feel special at school. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, see, that's pretty easy. Like, you know, most people end up writing stories about people who feel like misfits, especially in school. So people in school with men, like I am number four. That, I just saw that movie, and that's what that was. I'm in high school and I have magical powers. I'm going to guess like that, you know, at least one of your relationships didn't have a happy ending. That's why everyone in the movie just gets together at the end. She's Everyone in the books, they just like make out well you might as well because they're dropping like flies like grab grab a partner it's like the square dance of death (laughs) but i don't know she's got some i was actually surprised although there's a formula to it where she gets to a point where she's like i'm gonna kill someone in every book like so yeah we know it's getting serious because i kill cedric at the end of book four and then we know it gets serious that's another thing that, that really you know, Sirius is not a very good character because he doesn't appear very much before he's killed. So we don't care. Yeah. And that's different from the books as well. Yeah, but well. Harry cares. And then, but we don't know why he cares. It's really it's difficult. Like, oh, the, it's really difficult the guy I met for like, five hey, seconds oh, and no. talked to once last year is dead. <laughs> oh, did that did that old man you just met die? I was too busy worrying about my whole planet that just got exploded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that's like I love man. I love the, the the Star Wars episode of the Family Guy because that's the other ones aren't as good but the the first one is good the first one because you I can just, tell we, that's the one that we just got the last robot chicken we just got the third robot chicken one and it's pretty good I don't think I've seen that one yet I've got to get it but, the, but it only just out yeah it's pretty good it's not I mean it's not as good as the first two obviously but 
they they they're never going to be as good because they're never as fresh. But it has some very funny moments. That's the death of Dobby doesn't mean anything in the movies either. Yeah. Like this guy was like in the second film and disappeared. He's like in several of the books throughout, but they don't want to do yeah, the, the CGI. They're like, let's just have Neville show him the room of requirement or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever it is that happens. Neville is awesome. <laughs> I like the way his his character ended up. I'm glad that they gave him because he gets a lot of punishment throughout. And I kind of almost thought they were going to do something push. because he was also maybe the chosen one. I almost thought for a minute. Yeah, there was a big there was a big theory that he was the actual chosen one, and Harry was just being used by Dumbledore as a distraction. Mm-hmm. And then J.K. Rowling, <laughs> I like that theory. That I would have liked it. Not a good idea. Yeah, like yeah. she may have kicked that around for a while and thought, yeah. Well, someone, I think someone brought it I up to her, and both, she, maybe. she's like, no, that's not true. Well, thanks. I for always thought too that neither can live while the other survives is such a weirdly phrased way of saying that. I thought, well, maybe neither can live. Yeah, I thought and maybe the other was survives. Some other. Like, I thought the other. I thought the other might be Neville. I thought, oh well, neither one of them can live, and Neville will be the one who survives. Like neither can live while the other survives doesn't necessarily mean they both have to it kill each mean other. Doesn't mean anything. Maybe neither can live. Yeah, it doesn't actually mean anything at all. Could just be another wild goose chase. That is a problem with the books, but that's that's happens in almost every story, I guess. Where we have to have things that propel the story that aren't really part of the story. But Neville's a good thing. I like Luna too. I I like how much they've typecast Luna because I saw an interview the other day and they asked her some question and she starts talking randomly about how much fun it was making the movies and I like the people and oh... I think I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> well, maybe that's why she was the perfect choice. Like, they did a, a great job moment. of casting. Say what you will about the movies, but they, they cast the casting was brilliant. all the characters dead on. And the acting's important. And it would have been important. a big... Uh, the films, too, because I remember watching um, of course. Emma Watson. I couldn't stand her acting in the first, I don't know, four or five films, but the last two were fantastic. Well, you know that's her first audition ever. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, that's her story. Grown. Like she and went how on could one they audition once. Growing up once. with these really great actors. Like that's and everyone's like, oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, I never even bought a lottery ticket, but then I bought this one. <laughs> like it's like the three hundred million dollar. This is fun. <laughs> Lottery's fun. People have wasted their lives. My children have shoes because I bought all these tickets. <laughs> Who's to blame? Yeah, exactly. Whose fault is that? I didn't take your kid's shoes. I just bought a ticket. Well, she was even going to give it up after, like, the fifth film. She was like, I "I don't know if I want to still do these movies. They're a bit invasive and I don't have a real life and stuff. Well, it's kind of... It's a little sad because that's apparently why she quit university. Because uh, she thought she could have a normal college career, but... um, it wasn't so, so she had to stop after her sophomore year, and it's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, it's sad, but what's what's also a little sad is give it a couple of years and go back. Yeah, that's people true. forget yeah. very easily too. I mean, they'll recognize you, but you're not going to be swarmed by people. And plus, you're a bajillionaire. Yeah, I mean, Natalie Portman so. went to Columbia. The, the princes Harry and William. How come yeah, the princes Harry and William go to go to college, and and the star of Harry Potter can't? Yeah. That's true. 
Well, maybe. Well, you wonder if maybe some people enjoy the attention. I don't like. I'm not saying they do, but what what is uh, some one person's idea of invasive may not be the same as another. Yeah, yeah. William and Harry are probably. It shouldn't have the SAS after them. Yeah, I mean they're royalty. They're used to it. Yeah, poor girl though. Poor girl. She's a millionaire and everyone adores her. <laughs> I know. I know they could all stop if they want to. Uh, Harry is doing. He's uh, doing stage work right musical now. Theater, theater now. Apparently, he's awesome mm-hmm. in the musicals. Well, he's it's smart cool. because that's a good place. You know, you when you're that high profile on film, a lot of great actors go you know back to the theater or Especially in his the case British he ones. got went to the theater you know because film is a whole first of all it's a whole different medium but but second it's a harder racket you know there's a lot of great actors that you're like whatever happened to the guy's like he's been in theater been doing theater for 20 years you know Orlando that's Bloom. alien to a guy like me i don't i'm not gonna see kevin klein in a play in downtown savannah so i don't think of that sort of stuff but you know in new york that's that's a real thing theater is is has more validity than film. Oh yeah, like especially the idea of them doing a, a play on stage like that—it seems weird. It's like, why is he doing theater? Or you mean he can make movies? Because <laughs> theater has a whole, a whole different, different fun to it. Especially yeah, the, the live experience. It's theater was always weird to me because I was like, so you don't film it? Like, yep. <laughs> and then when it's over, you don't have anything. Yep. Like that seems wasteful. <laughs> I film and keep everything. My whole life is documented in just a series of pointless vignettes. But I think we covered this. I'm glad yeah. we did this. We talked a lot about a lot of... We did stay with Harry Potter for a long time. And we covered all, all my notes, and I can't think of anything that we did not talk about in some way. So if, I feel somewhat redeemed in, in my Well, we, we I, I have some Potter notes that we didn't knowledge. talk about, but that's all right. Really? Oh, well, I guess it's not too late. Do a part three. <laughs> well, I, there were only a couple of things, like the suitability for kids is an issue that um we could have talked about, but I don't know. Because <laughs> I had one of my friends at work, I'm Did like, why don't you take, he's like, what am I going to do with my daughter tomorrow? And I'm like, we'll take her to see Harry Potter. And he's like, she's seven. I can't. Yeah. I'm like, it's Harry Potter, what? Well, the, for a little kid, the later movies are do get a little scarier. I remember... You know, when the third one came out and, you know, my friend's kid, I don't remember how old he was, but he was real little. And she's like, I don't know if I can take him to that because of the werewolf, you know, he might have nightmares. Yeah, like, that's pretty scary. He's like, really? But the Dementors, you know, I, well, I thought the werewolf was kind of anyway, dying. but the Dementors make that stuff look stupid. The Dementors are some of the coolest looking creatures. They are pretty cool. In a movie. And the They're werewolf, like the, the the ring werewolf is pretty bad. I gotta say that the whale was. Yeah, it it took Harry Potter as a series a while to get into the visual effects that work. Because if you watch the first one, you're like, "Good God, this looks like a TV movie." <laughs> it doesn't. And age it was that like well. a big movie back then. But the CG, man, it's not. It's it's all movies of that time will fail to age well because the CG technology wasn't there yet. I don't know. I think Lord and of the Rings has aged a lot better. Well, they were very smart in their use of it, and Lord of the Rings is still a little bit later than than Harry Potter. But they made a good they made a good use of it because they didn't use computers exclusively. They they mixed it. They used it to augment that a lot of models things that, that of they business. created. You know, we'd film ten guys and make it a thousand guys, but it's still those ten guys. We didn't like CG a bunch of guys. 
We didn't make them in the computer. That's where Star Wars doesn't look as good because they, we can make this right in the computer. It's like, yeah, don't. Yeah. So it looks like a cartoon. Whoa. Actually, cartoons now are way more sophisticated than the the visual effects of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings is smart because they filmed in a classical way using new technology, so it's not as dated. And that's the way to do it. You know, they weren't they used enamored computers of the more technology. for compositing than creating. Yeah, and that's smart. Because all they did was yeah. take what they had and create a greater scale. Well, you look and at the Balrog. You know, they didn't just, like, create this monster in the computer. They didn't, like, try to – they actually filmed bits of fire and then just stuck it on mm. this, you know, monster model so that it actually looked like a real creature. Yeah, yeah. I love the Balrog. The only He's things cool you'll creature. see is some of those scenes in Moria where they're running across a big, a big area. You can tell – they look like they're on a stage and when the, the things are falling. But even then, you know – well, sometimes they go back to the wide shot, and it's actually uh, digital models of them running. Yeah, and but, that's not very good. But later films, they did better because they were still playing with the technology in that first film. Well, I think that's that's good enough. I think we covered it. Yeah, I think we carried covered Harry Potter. Harry Potter, you're done. You've been <laughs> yeah. TV at my dinner did. That's it. Yeah, you <laughs> you've been tavammed. You've been dinnered. <laughs> we ate you. Dinnered. I like to vamped, but either one is equally moronic. <laughs> but but yeah, so I'm glad we're back. Happy fourth anniversary, everybody. That's for four years of TV ate my dinner, and thank you. I'll make a cake and I'll have to eat it time. myself because I can't really send it to you. Yeah, I can't eat cake right now anyway. So Why can't you eat cake? I'm detoxing still. I, I don't I'm understand that. No, no sugar. The, the, no fruit? You can't eat well, fruit? It's, you limit natural sugars as well. It's an extreme sort of sort of thing. Oh. So you, it's not that fruit's bad choice? for you. Yeah, it's not court-ordered or anything. It's detox. It's a, it's a casual well, term it, I'm using. Sometimes you have to do this sort of thing when you're about to have surgery or when you have, no, you know, this, I've been doing this for like four like weeks now. I only, You've been deliberately not eating cake for four weeks. Are you mad? It's not cake. <laughs> it's I. I can't. I don't eat meat. I don't eat fruit. I don't eat certain kinds of starchy vegetables. I only drink water. What can water. you eat? Yeah, that's what I, I want to know. It's like, what can you eat on this on this diet? Uh, I eat a lot of spinach salad. I can eat artichokes. I can eat uh, mushrooms. I eat a lot of carrots. Mm. Um. I made a stew Yummy. with a bunch of good. Diet. I've got a vegan chili that's not that bad, but but you just can't eat. Can you eat beans? No. Really? No. Ugh, I yeah, live on beans because they're starchy. But I think yeah, the starchy. You're trying to avoid anything with a with a higher starch or fat content, and anything with a higher sugar content, even natural sugar. And then, uh, well, how's it going after four yeah. weeks? Is it succeeding? Succeeding in whatever you want it to do? Uh, well, it's hard to say. The point of it, I, I feel, I feel good. I mean, I've lost a little bit of weight, but that's not the whole thing. These guys, these researchers in the UK, they took like 20 people who had diabetes and type two diabetes, which is the kind that's mostly onset by by obesity, and they put them on a diet like this one, but it was 600 calories a day. Oh <laughs> like you can't do that without a doctor. I'm not doing no. that. But they. After this was over, after eight weeks, like these people, their bodies started producing insulin Crazy. at the appropriate levels again. It it cured. It wasn't just no no sugar is better for diabetes. It cured them. And I was like, well, that that's just a regular old reboot. I know something yeah. about that. That makes this an IT problem. I can I can do that. <laughs> like, 
of all so kinds of things. Yeah, I'm reprogramming. And the idea is I start after the eight weeks is over, then I'm going to start slowly reintroducing certain kinds of foods in moderation, but I'm going to keep this kind of diet or, or lifestyle in some form forever. Obviously, well, if you can get through it for eight weeks, then you know it's a good yeah. permanent choice. Yeah, you can do anything. The idea is drop everything for eight weeks, and then anything you can eat after that is good. It's like so, you stop the smoking and drinking as well, I assume. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't smoked in a long time, but yeah, I don't, I'm not drinking right now, so that's another level of detox. That's good. So yeah, it's just a a good way. You know, well, you're going to be older. healthier. I don't. Every year, it seems like I get blood work done for my annual physical, and there's some kind of thing. Oh, and now you got to look at this, or now you got to look at that. It's like this is the this is the first year. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like there better not be anything on that damn thing. I don't eat a thing. <laughs> so that's what I like. The idea is like let's like uh, before I get to forty, let's make every year an improvement instead of every, every year single year. I get thing. the same thing. I get the same thing every doctor I go to. He's like. Oh, you get some pain in your joints. Well, I better test you for lupus since your granddad had it. And I'm like, I didn't have it last year. Well, you know, maybe you've got it this year. <sighs> Every year I get the same old thing. I'm like, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Well, I can send you some, some uh, juice remedies for bad joints. Try acupuncture. There's all kinds of organic things you can do. You know what helps but, is putting on some gloves, keeping them warm. Oh, that's true. Red grapes. <laughs> Red grapes are good for your joints. So celery seed oil. Celery is good for everything. I, I can eat celery. celery. I eat. I eat I can't celery. Stand the taste. Do you have I like peanut butter on it? it. <laughs> celery with peanut butter on it. What I, I dice celery and I cook with it. I don't eat sticks of celery, but I like to cook yeah, it. Yeah, I don't mind it in like soups and stuff. It's good for but that. The, just raw celery, it feels like I'm eating grass. Yeah, <laughs> but I like carrots. I've developed an affinity for carrots as a snack. Carrots are really good because they're nice like and sweet, so you carrots. feel like you're eating something sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's not that many. It's a really good snack. So I'm learning. I love carrots. Things. I chuck carrots into other random things. I chuck carrots into spaghetti bolognese because it gives it a lovely sweetness and a, a juiciness. I bet so you can't have spaghetti anything. bolognese, can you? Uh, no, I can't have any of those things. That's can you eat company. squash though? Like uh, it's probably not the season for. I can eat. I can eat squash. Um, but in the fall, you should get. I can eat squash. Um, I can spaghetti squash. I can eat tomatoes, which is weird. I can eat tomatoes, weird. but that's, that's fruit. it's well, that technically, yeah, but that's as in, but I mean, from a dietary perspective, it's a vegetable. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing, so I'm trying it out. I'm, I'm not gonna have any trouble with the eight weeks because I'm already halfway done. That's good. Well, you know, over the hardest part, I guess, which is getting used to it. This is my vegan year before I turn forty. <laughs> that's a comic. <laughs> Sean's vegan year. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get special vegan powers. Yeah, just like in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, exactly. That's a good thing. Or I could break out in vaginas like in South Park. Uh, I know which one I'd rather. Because <laughs> it depends on the situation. <laughs> all right, let's, let's, we got to bring it into this thing. I know four years is a hoot and all, but still. All right. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Uh, thank you, everyone, who has been listening to the show for any amount of time, but especially if you're some of those that's actually been with us the whole four years, then or any or as close to it as you can. I'm not sure if it, I guess we have some people that may have listened for longer than Lynn. But I've only been about three and a half, so we don't want to identify those people because she'll find them. Shoot them I down. Will. I can find you with my brain. <laughs> she'll destroy them until I'm um, the guns. prime. I'm a TV ate my dinner. My, 
I'm the prime TV ate my dinner in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank thank the two of you, especially. It's been a while. We've been trying so hard to get things off the ground, and I'm delighted to even have a cast of three to do an episode with. You're just lucky especially... I got fired last week. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sorry Don't for that. Don't have a job anymore. <laughs> we we all benefit from that in this respect, but hopefully you'll you'll find something. Yeah. That you like and likes you. I like sleeping in. Well, there you go. Seems to have found me. Oh. <laughs> Didn't you yeah. say you were going back to it school? Seems like me too. Don't fight nature. Yeah, but uh, that's um, I'm gonna be doing TAFE, but that's from home anyway, uh. so. Well, I'm sure something. The one good thing about being young is that you can have all kinds of jobs. Here you, you're young yeah, enough. Yeah, it's only so long that lasts for. I'm feeling a bit old. Then when you're staring down the barrel of forty, you turn into a vegan for no reason. <laughs> Get a full-time job in <laughs> IT. Because you got to try. I could things. do that. I should go into IT. I'm really good at fixing my computer. I got a virus off it yesterday. Well, there like, you go. I didn't know anything about it at all when I got that job. So, <laughs> so you're already better than I was when I was starting. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we will come back. Uh, yeah, please, if, if you guys want to join in later on. Uh, I think in weeks to come, certainly, we'll talk about our experiences, Greg and my experiences on the Weird World Tour, if which part one on. is already out there on YouTube. Watch and it, everyone. It's got a kitten in it. It's awesome. <laughs> it does It does have a cat in it. That's Long the only thing. Awesome. Has. We're, we're building into the, the – we went to the Star Trek exhibit and, and the space shuttle launch and, and the skunk ape research center and we went to coral castle but none of that's in this part one the intro just says hey we were on the weird world tour we went and bought a grapefruit and that's the end i didn't mean that spoil we are spoiling everything we told you we would well anyway but watch it it's, it's fun movies. and there'll be more of that later so we'll talk Bruce about Willis that in future episodes <laughs> exactly. you need to know and the, the dog died the butler did it <laughs> <laughs> we'll also talk about I want to do now that the summer is winding down post Conan I would like to do a retrospective of the summer blockbusters because I've seen them all I've seen most of them I haven't seen Planet of the Apes but I've seen a lot of them too okay, well maybe you should join us for that also Tracy well, that'll be a good one we'll so do that. If, if Greg never comes back then, <laughs> then I always always have the girls <laughs> to fall back on it's like when everyone else disappears it's like so that's like we go in everybody's. Where your all girl kung fu army? Yeah, exactly. On my all girl army of kung fu killers. Yeah. My dog. That's us. That <laughs> works for me. <laughs> well, cool. Well then. And my cat sleeping on the lounge. Well then, yeah. Feel free to come back in the weeks to come. We'll try to start doing recording regularly again. And uh, yes, definitely, folks, look out for new episodes. I do have a new episode of Venus Skytrap on the way. I know it's been like a year. We recorded like a we year We recorded ago. two episodes. There's a three and a four. We, but hopefully we'll start recording that again at some point because I'd like to get more of those down. But I, I will have some more of that too. So Good time. We'll get back to it. I've been busy. we got these videos coming out and all this business. We're never not putting something out. It's kind of ridiculous. But, but anyway, so thanks. Um, my name is Sean. I'm Tracy. I'm Lynn. And we will see you next time. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com. Dog Crazy. Dog Crazy.
more more pothead business wands and Latin and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we get high, it's it's not because of wizards and wands. <laughs> just those ma- magical shrooms. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Magic. What's it a metaphor for? What was she really smoking when she wrote those crazy spells and wizards? And other things we delve into today. <laughs> That's good. I'll probably just use the part where we said, and we'll be talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> man, all of my funny is wasted. Yeah. Don't edit me, man. Yeah. You're killing me. You're killing me. You're the man being editing me. Okay. My feminist rage will cut you in half. I think my I dog has to go Dino. outside. Pants. Pants controlling everything. Again. <laughs> She's just like Wonder Woman. 